Oh, why, hello, and welcome back to another episode of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. That's right, we're back once again with the return of Andrew Spawn. If you don't know Andrew, uh, he does the phenomenal show Amusement Sparks, which I've been on a couple times, and uh, he's just an all-around great guy. Probably one of the most fiercely creative people I may have ever met in my entire life. Uh, but go check out Amusement Sparks. It's a great podcast where uh, uh, it's a theme park design show. We'll talk about it in the episode. Heading off the beaten track today, we cover Goober and the Ghost Chasers. If you're not familiar with Goober and the Ghost Chasers, it's one of the seven bajillion Scooby-Doo knockoffs that Hanna-Barbera put out in the 70s. Uh, it's definitely weird. I uh, highly recommend at least watching an episode, which I think you can find anywhere. Uh, just to see what it's like, because it is... It's bonkers. Yeah? Totally nuts. We do talk about kind of... Uh, we sort of actually open with a discussion of new media. And, you know, like things like um, YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that. So, if you want to hear two dudes talk about that, you got it here. We also bring up Airplane, the movie. So we may not take ourselves too seriously, just going to say. Also, we bring up Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is a a great, horrible movie uh, as a uh, benchmark for uh, things that are bad that are also good because they're so bad, which I think is a a common thing. You hear it all the time. Also, you're going to find out what the word haberdashery means. So get into that. Because that's a lot of fun. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, happy 4th of July. If you're in the United States, I mean, if you're not in the United States, I can wish you a happy 4th of July anyways, uh, because it'll be that day. But if you're in the United States, uh, that'll mean something. I wonder how some of the references that I make go over in other countries sometimes. Like watching TV growing up in the United States, was that different? in the UK or New Zealand or any of these places? I wonder. Anyways, Andrew Spawn, Goober and the Ghost Chasers, once again, to the podcast, let's do this. There's a a threshold between like, like, all, like, self-love and selfishness Hmm. like being honest with yourself or like just looking out for yourself like those are two kind of weird sides of like a line yeah that was a little deep (laughs) what's with you (laughs) scooby-doo today on the podcast with the miracle of the internet i have andrew sticking with its spawn Nailed it. You stuck the landing. Hello, everyone. <laughs> good to be here. Good to have you, sir. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Been oh, a while. Quite a while. Yeah. Oh, that one. That song. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been, oh my gosh, at least a year. I think so. Yeah. 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 You've been trucking away over there at Fancy Bad Industries. <laughs> right. Turning out the uh, the hip, relatable content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the podcasting audience. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's been fun. You know, we just pretty much do what we were doing before, but now we say that we're the Fancy Bat Podcast Network now. Now there's just an addendum after you finish recording to be like, okay, I got to put all the tags on uh, fancybat.com. <laughs> Right, right. One more line to type into YouTube and, you know, one more thing to say. It really just makes your life feel more complete. You know, I have more stuff now. It's great. (laughs) More things I got to say, more obligations. But then again, it also means there's more people like thinking about you and like taking care of you and having your back and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is interesting. Like there's something about conceptual human existence of like more points of contact like somehow it's like fulfilling to have like more inlets for information somehow and more like out outlets for information you're totally right yeah like more more contacts in your phone that you can tell about this thing that just happened or that can tell you about the thing that happened that's like a social network right what (laughs) a cool idea did i just invent something from 30 years ago (laughs) (laughs) congratulations Yay! <laughs> that's great that's awesome uh well i mean you've been on previously you've talked about your history but uh how's your life been with uh, our lord and savior scooby-doo uh in the past in the past year um the past year i'll catch you up um there's a lot to cover um not really i don't, I, want. I don't know <laughs> i mean i got those uh those mystery machine socks that i sent you a picture of uh, that's right <laughs> got those warm today that was pretty cool um, other than that, I've been listening to this really cool Scooby-Doo podcast. Um, it's called What's With You, Scooby-Doo. And it was like the first U.S.-based Scooby-Doo podcast, um, <laughs> which no other podcast can take away from it, regardless of you know how how far downhill the show goes or whatever. It still has that. There so was I've been a... listening to that show a lot recently. It's been pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you. There's also a moment when you started saying that that I was like, which of the other nine is he now listening to? <laughs> it seems like there's a new one every day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, you've started a, it's a very lucrative business, obviously, you know, you got, you're going to have copycats. That's true. That's true. I have made upwards of dollars. <laughs> wow. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel dumb being a podcaster instead of like a YouTuber because it's like, well, I, I pay a good amount of money every year to do my hobby instead of getting paid anything whatsoever. Why am I doing this? It's yeah, it's interesting the infrastructure of the various platforms and like like the kind of people that they attract almost. Mm-hmm. Cuz I mean, like podcasting and this is not true across the board, but podcasting does seem to be yes, a, a hyperbole aside, uh like a cerebral, I mean, you know, it's audio only. It's well, even though we're starting to now branch out into video. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's... it's Audio first. Yeah, but it's all very conceptual-based, uh, whereas YouTube primarily is starting to branch into the concept thing, but, f- but fundamentally it was always a cult of personality form of uh, content creation. I mean, you know, you think back to, like, you know, the Hannah Hearts or, like, you know, the, uh, you know, those kinds of people. It was always about them and their face because it was a True. visual-based medium. Whereas, it's like NPR versus like the Howard Stern show. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, now yeah. that it's getting weirdly diversified, I mean, YouTubers are going to podcasting, podcasters are going mm-hmm. into YouTubing. I mean, you know, it's it's weird to see how these things are developing. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarities, of course, but like, yeah, it's definitely a different ball game. And uh, you know, hosting fees and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. If YouTube, if you had to pay to be a YouTuber, I feel like that would totally change like everything. It changed so much. I don't know. 
Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if that's like a barrier to entry. Like, I don't know. People who are in it for the money would never start out as podcasters because you have to pay money for it. It's like the opposite of what you're wanting to do. Although now that's kind of going away. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, a little bit. You know, I mean, they're starting to have uh, free, free, limited, but free podcasting mm-hmm. services. Although, I mean, sure. the entry level for YouTube is the overhead is gear. Right. Because you sure. have to compete with, you know, HD and all these kinds of things. Do you buy the DSLR for, you know, $1,000 or, you know, right. are yeah, you just right. using that's a webcam? Mm-hmm. But you, you get an HD webcam for like 80 bucks, though. You yeah. know what I mean? It, the prices have come down significantly in the last like 10 years. And quality and just keeps going tech up. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, welcome, welcome back to oh, uh, uh, borefest.net. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, uh, man. There, yeah, there are certain people who can talk about that for hours, and I am one of them. Yeah, it is interesting. I really do love gear. I'm kind of a, a gear gear guy and um i don't know it's fun to like shop for uh for electronics and i don't know i've always been into that kind of thing i just got a computer this week Ooh. a new desktop that's hidden back here behind me fancy but, um, yeah so i've been uh you know i've had a lot of tabs open for a while on pc stuff and yeah haven't really talked to anybody about it it's kind of exciting right on okay <laughs> well moving on <laughs> abruptly <laughs> today we're going to go off the reservation uh we're going to talk about something a little bit different mm. so uh Obviously, Scooby-Doo, uh, near and dear to my heart, but Hanna-Barbera, because of the success of Scooby-Doo, decided to uh, try and catch that lightning in a bottle about 137 times. <laughs> and they're all better than Scooby-Doo, which is kind of weird. They're all more successful. <laughs> and and nobody watches any of them. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're all so much better. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, things like Jabberjaw, Fang Face. Uh, today, we're going to be jumping into Goober and the Ghost Chasers. This show is pretty ridiculous, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Had you ever heard of I... this show before I, I pitched it to you? I had heard of the show. Um, I used to do a, an animation blog, and I did a ton of Hanna-Barbera stuff. And so, like, um, I don't know. It, it crossed my radar. I had never seen an episode before, but I had, like, read the Wikipedia page and stuff like that. Of the Scooby-Doo knockoffs, it's one of the ones that I had heard of the least. It was just kind of like, you know, because you, you, Jabberjaw, I think, pretty much is the one that you see the most of. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then maybe, you know, uh, Speed Buggy or the Funky Phantom, any of the ones that showed up in that one episode of Mystery Incorporated. Right. I love that episode, by the way. That was that was really good. As, like, an OG Hanna-Barbera fan, I was like, yes, these are my people. <laughs> Captain K! <laughs> I love that episode. I love that it's, like, it was just a dream, like, because none of that would make any sense in that reality. Yeah, because Mystery Incorporated prides itself kind of on its its serious side and its sort of uh, uh, semi-realistic world building and to all of a sudden, like, have, you know, the talking car and Jabberjaw, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah those shows are all fun though like they work well in that like you know boomerang program block or whatever to come on after scooby-doo it's like i'm already primed for scooby-doo 
let's have some some B and C tier Scooby Doo. I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, it is almost like you start getting to these shows and it's a photocopy of a photocopy because Scooby Doo <laughs> is kind of you know it was meant to be the Archies and you know they also like Dobie Gillis and all these kinds of things. So they just kind yeah. of capitalize on all these trends that they like and you know hit strike gold and then uh they're like well let's keep that one going and so they just kind of keep trying to like change three parts of it and see what works it is really weird it's like they had a a big whiteboard and they wrote down all their possible combinations of team mystery teams and then they ended up going with all of them for some reason it's like they should (laughs) have just picked the best one but they're like yeah that was okay let's do the second best and the third best and the fourth best and the fifth best that seems so much of Hanna-Barbera. Every time I have like a, a, a dream of them coming up with a concept, there's always a whiteboard with 75 things on it, and they're like just picking one out of each column. Right, yeah. Which, I mean, is a, a way to brainstorm. I don't know that it's the best one, but it did get them to have a bunch of TV shows made, and like they exist. We can go watch them right now if we want to. So in a way, they are successful. They're more successful than any of my creative works, which no one can ever find anywhere, you know, <laughs> aside from amusement sports. So, I mean, good for them, but maybe it's a little bit much. I don't know. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, well it's the uh, quantity over quality uh, uh, thing. <laughs> Just keep pumping it Shotgun out sooner or later. <laughs> uh, one of these will take. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> there is something endearing about the... Like somehow they still capture a charm, even though it's uh, everything that they do, especially from this era, is like insanely slapdash. Absolutely. And I mean, part of it kind of matches with the uh, limited animation uh, mentality where it's like this is pretty low budget anyway. You're going to see a lot of shots where like characters clothes are the wrong color for a second or like that button was literally just red and now it's black. Like, couldn't you just... Like, I don't know. There's so many, like, little mistakes like that where it's, like, the whole slapdash, like, this was the first idea, rough draft kind of mentality is, like, hey, kind of, it's Santa Barbara. I mean, it's it's what they're doing. They're doing it for the cheap. I mean, that's what the people want. First thought, best thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, well, yeah. yeah what well, this The episode that we're going to talk about today, uh, A Hard Day's Night, there were literally frames that didn't line up completely with the screen like you could see the edge of the frame uh there was actually there was a part i i think i posted on uh the what's with you scooby-doo instagram story where the guy's head like his body and head just stopped before it actually so like the background (laughs) was visible in between his head and the edge of the frame but like it was only the middle of his head (laughs) That's so funny. I didn't notice that one. There were a lot of flubs, and eventually I just stopped writing them down because there are so many like weird little animation glitches. And I was like, some of these are kind of kind of fun and kind of innocent, and some of them are like fun. Like on the um, Scooby Doo meets Batman and Robin, there's like a section where Batman doesn't have any pants on, and it's just like a quick <laughs> scene where they like just colored his legs the wrong color. But some of them are like that, where it's like I need to take a photo evidence of this. But in this show, it just got exhausting trying to do that. I'm like, they're all kind of funny, but... It's uh, just the whole thing. (laughs) So many inconsistencies that that starts to become the norm. It's like, the show is just a bunch of inconsistencies that have a loose plot structure around them. And this show in particular, compared to all of its peers, seemed to have the most number of errors that I noticed. Like, it was... It got pretty exhausting. I don't know. Um, Also, Loosely Structured Inconsistencies is the name of my next album. (laughs) 
that's actually pretty cool. And that, that sounds like, like a, a David, or yeah, or like or a David poetry. Byrne album or yes. something. Yes. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Loosely structured inconsistent. <laughs> that's cute. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> um, this show in particular, when you start like the intro, which I feel like the intro is so important. Like Scooby Doo has such a good one, and so many of these similar type of mystery shows have a good intro. This one seemed like. Again, it was like kind of a first like rough draft, like whatever, this is fine. There's like, I think there's a song there, but like I forgot it after five seconds. And then it was just random clips of people talking. Like there was no real action or there was nothing compelling about it at all. There wasn't even anything funny. It was just kind of things are happening. I think there's a song and here's the title. And then does this awkward like cut to another version of the title. And then the characters just appear randomly it was like, what is this? This was like something that like a freshman would make in like their introduction to computer graphics class. It was it was so weird and like sketchy. Ugh. Yeah, it, it, it did. Gross. It did kind of feel like a sketch. Like it was just kind of like, eh, throw some of this in there, throw some of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what lines do we already have recorded? Just like, Ugh. right. <laughs> <laughs> they only used the episodes that were cut or the lines that were cut out of other episodes or something because they were just they were out of context. They didn't make any sense. Ugh. Man, the intro was really, really bad. Like, the show wasn't terrible, but the intro was horrible. It also has the same uh, title card, right, as uh, the, 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 like, classic Hanna-Barbera title card of, yeah, you know, there's, like, a, yeah, the back, there's just, like, a matte background, words, and then the whoever you have for this week is just in a circle yeah. in the center. Or they're usually just running to the right, like, running in place. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, a classic move. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> a lot of the music did try to kind of try to be Scooby-Doo-ish, which I appreciated because Scooby-Doo has awesome music. But it also it, was insanely serious. I feel mm-hmm. like for the how music? unserious the plot was. I agree. I agree. There was a lot of like orchestral stings and like like uh, and he's like, oh, you, you got in my way again, Goob. <laughs> What? What show is this music for? <laughs> it got cut out of some higher tier show, I guess. Like, eh. Hanna Barbera, like similar to their sound effects, they recorded a bunch of stock music in like 1964 and have I'm been sure. using it ever since. I feel like this is just the stuff that the janitor stopped off the cutting room floor of like five years worth of shows. And then he it had his passion project of just pasting them all together. And it came out as Goober and the Ghost Chaser. It's like a weird, uh, exquisite corpse. Like there's just like a bunch of like uh, yeah. uh, background people at Hanna-Barbera who are just handing it around, adding their two bits to it. And the dog turns <laughs> invisible. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but we got to keep going. Yes, and uh, these are the, this is the downside to the yes and way of creation. At some point, someone has to say no. <laughs> Please, anybody, anybody at Hanna Barbera, can I get a no anywhere? No, I'm just gonna keep doing this. You're Hanna Barbera in 1973, and you've had ten hits in a row of doing the exact same thing. No one's gonna say. No, that's enough. We we draw the line after the amazing Chan and the Chan clan. We're done with being mystery in a vehicle thing. Oh my gosh. So the uh the, the gang uh in this case is a group of I don't know how old they are. I mean they seem like teenagers. They have a job. They all have jobs though. Like the you know, the Mysteries Inc. crew is just kind of chilling in a van. 
these guys work at a magazine and presumably they are the ghost chasers right they run the magazine it's the ghost yeah, chasers ghost magazine chaser so that's them so i feel like they've got full-time jobs or maybe it's a really intense internship and somehow they own an office building i don't really know how it all works it does have that sort of uh like there's something about kids running businesses that's that's captured it's like a genre into itself you know like the little kids detective agency or even uh uh uh, uh, uh lucy in the peanuts with her little psychiatrist right. booth yeah <laughs> you know there's something that is a fun trope yeah yeah and 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 kids acting like adults without the stakes for it. it's like you know like what's the overhead of the office that i'm a kid i don't care I just, i'm running my right. magazine <laughs> and for that reason I, I wish this was like in a treehouse or something but it's like no they have like a, a nice building like on a downtown street somewhere like it's a real magazine they've got viewers and they got you know advertisers to satisfy they've got deadlines and with a, it should be pretty serious with a staff of three people and a disappearing dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like Ted is fielding calls from like the local department store, being like, "We can give you half a page for two fifty, but I mean, that's the best we can do." <laughs> that's pretty much it. And like these people are well known enough that the I forget what it's called, like the the space location, like the place where they launch rockets from, they know these people by name. They call the Ghost Chasers magazine to say, "Hey, guys, um, we've got you. Like, we know you are the people to call." Because we have a ghost. You guys need to come check it out. It's not like they're in the yellow pages or something. Because they knew the people who were going to answer the phone's names. It's really weird. I don't know. Well, there was a there was the Roger bit. Like, Roger, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Ted, no, Roger. You. <laughs> uh, you know, Captain Over, over. <laughs> Roger, Captain Over. I'd like my eggs over, easy over. We can't do them over, Captain Over, over. <laughs> What's our clearance, Clarence? Uh, <laughs> airplane the uh oft uh un not quoted movie in today's uh climate <laughs> surely you can't be serious that movie's quoted all the time uh you know what you might be correct and don't call me Shirley. oh <laughs> that's pretty good man that was good that was a good joke <laughs> Uh, so oh, anyway, <laughs> they, they do get the call from whatever this universe's version of NASA is. Yeah. Uh, and right away, just like, like just exposition. We have a conquistador <laughs> named Don Miguel, who's preventing us from launching our, our rocket to Mars. We have an exploration going to Mars, which in 73, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Obviously, they were not successful, though. I mean, a little foreshadowing. <laughs> we know that hasn't happened yet as of 2018. So we lost a lot of astronauts that day. <laughs> I do like like four years after you know we landed on the moon. They're like, yeah, Mars, whatever. That'll happen soon enough. Like, right? Like, yeah. We, uh, what, what's next? Well, I mean, we can go into space. So uh, anywhere, let's just go right, anywhere. Right. <laughs> okay, easy enough. Yeah, yeah, it works. Uh, I did like the kind of the allure of uh, you know the, the like space element of this was pretty cool like just messing around in rocket ships and stuff and um i don't know there's a, a thing at the very end that i kind of liked about the whole space part of this but like i don't remember scooby-doo and the gang ever getting into any space hijinks like that's a, it's a compelling uh setting yeah it's also i mean it feels a little bit more topical than scooby-doo ever was because hmm, scooby-doo was always 
the kids, I mean, the original at least, was yeah. the kids in the van and a location, and then that's it. There was mm-hmm. never, like, them at, you know, uh, there was never anything, like, super grounded that you could place as, like, oh, this is a version of NASA, or this is, right. you know, a version of, you know, I mean, even the Smithsonian, they kind of, like, they still kind of make it into a museum. Right. It's really generic settings, although, like, they have, you know, celebrity guests and stuff like that. But the actual places they go and the mysteries that they solve are just kind of random, could have happened any time in the last 200 years. There's really anything specific to when the show was made yeah you're right yeah this feels i mean their wardrobe especially was a little bit more specific you know Mm -hmm. uh uh she has that belt with the little dangly thing uh uh gilly's outfit is like i mean that that just screams of the 70s you know i think Mm -hmm. mike brady had about four of those outfits That's good. I really love the the character designs here, though. Um, I feel like they that was like the best part of the show. I mean, I'm not going to talk about Goober yet, but the human characters, the gang looked pretty cool. I, I liked the way all of them looked. It was more like, I don't know, more more compelling than the average one of these shows. The yeah. des- the design in this whole show felt like way more ambitious. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like. A lot of what they were trying to do was more ambitious, but they had less money to do it. So all of right. the animation, like anytime they walked, was horrible. <laughs> yes. And there was a, a part where they did like the uh, a transition where they just kind of spun the camera a bunch, which happens in Scooby-Doo all the time. But I don't know if it was the iTunes version or whatever, the one that we just watched. It's like it was like four frames of her face flipping around. It was like, what just happened? Oh my God. I'm glad that transition is over. It's kind of cool when they do the like newspaper spinny thing, but like it was just the worst version of that possible. Yeah. That's like, Ugh. uh, the old school, uh, Batman, right? They used yeah, to do that all like, the totally. time in Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a, there was also a shot of the top of like the rocket tower, which then transitioned and it would like pan down the whole thing to see them at the bottom of this tower. But like the top of the tower had like this weird perspective where it was like kind of jagged. I mean, it looked like an old Looney Tunes, like Maurice Noble background, you know? And it was like super cool. But then it doesn't reach the whole side of the frame, you know? I mean, like that's kind of how I felt about this whole show where it's like, that's really cool. You you couldn't quite make it work completely, could you? Yeah, I'm sure there was some kind of deadline on this. And, like, they did try. They tried a lot of cool stuff, but yeah. a lot of things didn't work out so great. Although, I mean, we were still, again, we were able to watch the episode, which is kind of what matters in a way. And we can tell what they were going for. But, yeah, um, an HD remastered version would be appreciated, where they can at least make the characters go to the edge of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're walking, it's not like it's not like two frames of the like paper cut out, and they just swap right. them and move them across the screen. <laughs> I mean, like South Park did better. <laughs> yes, true. Page. One of the other things that was really off was the laugh track. Like there were several times. Like when they're first leaving the magazine, um, one of the guys is like, well, gang, let's blast off. And I, I watched this many times and actually counted. There's literally four seconds of silence of them walking off the screen after he said, let's get gang, let's blast off. Four seconds later, laugh track comes in. And I was like, what? It felt like they were what? laughing at how bad the animation was, right? Yeah. I wrote I that down. There an, maybe there was an earlier version of the animation where like, 
it took a lot longer for that joke to come in or something because the laugh track was so off. It was like, as a podcast editor, I was like so offended. I was like, come on, people, four seconds. This is intolerable. It was, it was a little crazy. As a podcast editor, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the seconds count. I mean, like four seconds in between the joke and the laughter is rarely a good thing. <laughs> and if you're doing audio only, silence sticks yes. out. <laughs> And it wasn't even a joke. It was, let's blast off. Like, <laughs> we're leaving the scene now, guys. There were a few things. Uh... Yeah. I felt, <laughs> like the, I felt like the script that was written was completely different. Like, the script that was <laughs> written and recorded was completely different than what ended up. Because there were a few different things. Like, yes. uh, the, uh, the, the, they're leaving the, the... They're finally going to split up to investigate. And uh, the director, I can't remember his name, is talking to Hap Wilson, and he says, like, find out if they know anything about zero gravity. What? Yeah. I didn't know what they were talking about. And I thought they said something about the cat. And I was like, there's going to be a cat with zero gravity. Okay, got it. And then not, what? Who, who would know something about zero gravity? These are kids you called in about a ghost. What? I guess maybe it was a ghost thing. Do ghosts have zero gravity? Do they live in a different dimension where the gravity is different on Earth? Or I don't really know how ghosts work. There was honest. some kind of... Se- <laughs> I mean, nobody does, technically. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the idea that, like... There was like a weird subplot about how the you know the launch wasn't going correctly because of something to do with gravity research or something, and so then they had to sabotage their own. Like it seemed like there was an <laughs> ambitious story at some right. stage, and they were yep. like, "We'll fix it later," and never got to it. <laughs> That's totally true. And immediately after the scene you were just talking about, Gilly is with Goober, and I wrote it down. Where is it? He says, "A whole lot of help you are." It was like. We cut to these new characters in a new scene, and that's what happens. Gilly's like, talking to the dog, a lot of help you are, and then that's the end of their scene together. It's like, what was that? We were talking about zero gravity is going to be the next thing we're talking about. Okay, dog, you're not helpful. What? What, what are you guys even trying to do at this point? It's just transitioning into a new story piece. Keep it was track so of the A and B story, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, what is happening? I couldn't keep up, man. Yeah, you're trying to read between the lines and with the deleted scripts and all this stuff, you got to keep it, man. Well, It's and, hard to keep up. I mean, t- talking about Gilly's character design, his character design was cool, but the conceptual design of the character, you know, like... He just, his whole thing was basically being dumb and getting ticked off that Goober would constantly mess up him taking pictures of the ghost. That was all that was going on. There was nothing else. Right. Like, you know, Scooby and Shaggy? Well, what if Shaggy was pretty mean to the dog and didn't like the dog being there? That'd be fun, right? That's what the kids like about their relationship. But that's even more, like, it wasn't even that he didn't like it. There was no, there was nothing there. Like, I didn't know what he wanted aside from taking pictures. It was like, he just tried to take pictures and then that was it. Like, if there were no pictures to take, he'd just turn off. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? The, the grind at the magazine, like they're not going to be able to pay their rent if this issue doesn't come out on time and he's got to get enough photos to get his royalties. And, uh, man, it's, it's stressful running a magazine with only three teenagers and an invisible dog. He's trying to get his pictures. (laughs) Tina's obsessed with getting interviews with absolutely anything that could be a ghost. Right. Right. (laughs) It really hard workers. 
Well, <laughs> there's a yeah, and it, it kind of speaks to that ethos of like, oh, kids running a business, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's a uh, there's an old I think Channel One Hundred One blog, or it might even be Dan Harmon's MySpace blog, uh, which you can still find on the web archive. It's completely hilarious, but he huh. talks about uh, character development and how if you're di- if you're creating a character and your character is a uh, vegan uh, something it's like uh, like a, a vegan car enthusiast who lives in Alaska you have three stories you have the story where the character can no longer be a vegan the story where the character has to move from Alaska and the story where the character gets their car stolen like that's it that's all yeah. you have so you need right. to like you know create a richer character you need this nucleus of wants mm-hmm. and and personality that every story can now be the electrons that spin around it wow you know uh so but like it was honestly like she does the interviews he takes the <laughs> he pictures, takes the pictures. And Ted, and then, I'm not sure what he does. Ted's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like he's kind of the Fred a little bit. Wait, uh, Ted Fred. Ted oh, my Fred. gosh. Didn't think about that. They're um, running out of names. <laughs> yeah. He answers the phones. I mean, he's got that on lock. <laughs> he's really good at it, too. <laughs> he needs he needs to be the one to make a decision. Like, he's the most developed mm-hmm. of any of them. Yeah, right. The other ones are just savants, I guess. Like... <laughs> My life is photography, and if I can't take pictures, I don't have a life. It's kind of tragic, I guess. <laughs> and that's why Gilly takes out his anger on Goober so much. <clears throat> Even though Goober is constantly saving him. Right. But, like, what? Like, th- there is an element. It feels like Scooby and Shaggy are, like, three-dimensional to a certain extent, where there's, like, a, like, oh, they have a backstory that we don't know about. You know, like, like there's something, I mean, you do find out things maybe in, like, the new Scooby-Doo movies, like, later on, where they're, like, well, we gotta find out how they met, or something like that. But yeah. in the original, it's always kind of... It's just established, and it somehow feels like it works. This mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody's hanging out. Right, right. It's it's for the job. Like they would not be there if they didn't have to be. That's like the difference. Like <clears throat> Mysteries Incorporated, they want to be together. Like they're just kind of they work well as a unit, and they get along well, and they have like interesting little interpersonal relationships. These people are like, it's a job. Like this is my nine to five, and I have to be here with these knuckleheads because. We are the magazine, and the magazine has to come out this month. <laughs> I don't know if that was part of the writer's vision or if it's just lazy writing, but that's my my canon from this. Well, I also wonder if there's an element of our own psychology that Ooh. informs the relationships in Scooby-Doo because there's nostalgia and because it's ubiquitous and you know, beloved, I wonder if mm-hmm. we kind of paint on some of that three-dimensionality that wouldn't be there if it wasn't as successful, but because there's only, what, uh, maybe 20 episodes of Goober and the Ghost Chasers? Yeah, I think uh, less a, than that. A half-assed Wikipedia page and, you uh-huh. know, like uh, uh, pre-packaging and barely any reruns that we don't have that that need to fill in those gaps so we can we can you know toss it off a little bit more easily i'm so with you on that like i bet if you compare the amount of pages of fan fiction about scooby-doo versus goober and the ghost chasers there's a lot more scooby-doo because scooby-doo is beloved and like there is even if the characters are just as kind of blank uh i don't know there's there's more more in the scooby-doo gang is a lot more interesting yeah i don't know and it might be because of the success. You're totally right. 
there's so much that goes into informing after the fact that you know there's a subjectivity that can never necessarily be be shaken because you're always going to experience stuff through that lens of subjectivity you know and i and i always try and take a, a step back and be like well what you know like that that will always happen so let's accept that but mm-hmm. if we do have to look at it objectively like if i do have to say like well at the end of the day these are the facts and this is as far as i can go with facts what how far can i go with that you know cool yeah that makes a lot of sense and i do feel like you know if, if there had been like six different shows about goober and the ghost chasers they might have added more character development and like maybe there would be you'd feel like even in these old episodes there's some kind of like hints at relationships going on but just in this in the piece itself not really like even when characters are sitting next to each other like in the same vehicle it's like they're they're not connected in any way it's it's really weird even when they're talking to each other it's like they don't they don't feel anything even when they're talking to themselves there was a line uh (laughs) so, so they they uh there's a scene where they go to the it was after the centrifuge before they get trapped in the rocket where they're on top of a trap door that they don't know about they yep. look at the wall and they just go, what's that? And <laughs> so he shines the flashlight on it. They go down a trap door. This trap door is open. They've, they've presumably been shocked. They're going down a slide. This is not anything that they planned on happening. And the line, and the line read that happens is, it's a photoelectric cell and your flashlight activated it. And then <laughs> the guy goes, a secret passageway. <laughs> It's really not great. <laughs> I mean, it's bordering on like Plan Nine level of just like you know, like can't like, like bleep bleep bloop. You know, I'm just just record the line and let's get out of here. <laughs> right, right. We're in a hurry. We already we're doing this in one take, and maybe they recorded it where it's like each actor is by themselves and they just go through all their lines in rapid succession and call it a day because. A lot of the deliveries are like, wait, do you know the context you're in right now? Hey, Steve, <laughs> was, what time can you get in here? Uh, well, maybe like 3.30 on Wednesday. Great. Uh, look, I can't be there, but I'm just going to leave the script on the stand. Yeah. <laughs> just read it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally it. There was no no production at all. There was no, can we get one more? Uh, do you ever hear the stories about uh, when Adventure Time started? And John DiMaggio plays Jake the dog, and he first would go in, and I think they were recording separately, so there was no context for any of these things that Jake was saying. So, you know, he's, like, doing the whole, like, well, whoa, I, I, I'm going to stretch out and get you, dude. Ha <laughs> ha, wimmy wazzle, you know, like, just like, and he was so furious because he just had no clue what was happening. But Penn's like, can wow. you, can you do it, you know, broader? Can you, can you give it to me like you're scared, or, you know, and it was able to stitch together because he had huh. that vision. But like wow. John DiMaggio was like, this show is terrible i don't know what it is yeah wow yeah that would be really stressful as a as a serious actor i don't know if any of these actors from goober <laughs> were like stressed out about that fact it's like i'm not gonna have a producer here i just i'm gonna read this i hope i can remember how to operate the microphone um well and i mean it's paul winchell right like yeah, it's the right. voice of like tigger and like you know all these famous iconic roles and they get him to come in to just be like okay <laughs> 
I like that the uh, the the animal companion is almost always the biggest name actor. <laughs> Don Messick, Paul Winchell. Uh, yeah. oh, I don't even know who played Jabberjaw. I wonder who did that. Um, I think it was Curly. Uh, was it real? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. I guess oh. they are kind of headlining, you know, they're, it's Goober and they're, Ghost. Yeah, it's always their name on the, the marquee. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's funny because they do, well, actually, compared to Scooby, Goober literally does the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're right. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. yeah. He, it's a dog who can turn invisible when he wants to or when he's scared. Yes. It, that's my thought. And sometimes... His hat also turns invisible. Sometimes his collar turns invisible. Sometimes the collar turns invisible, but not the hat. And sometimes, presumably, that he's causing the hat to fly ahead of him. But he's also ca- like there was a lot of like it did make sense fast and loose with the rules of physics. He has like a very like kind of mixelplick. You know, uh-huh. he, he's a being from another dimension. It doesn't really play in our sense of physics, but like he has an internal logic. And okay, so in this universe, ghosts are real. That's like one of the main differences between most of the other shows is like they're actual ghosts. And Goober touches the ghost at the end. Like he, so is he becoming a ghost? Is he dead? I don't know what the the logic is. But the ghost. Why is he green? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. Also, <laughs> I think he's dead. Don Miguel is obeying the laws of physics because Goober turns on a magnet and Don Miguel's uh, metal armor is armor, attracted yeah. to the magnet. So yep. he can disappear, he can fly, he can take over TV cameras, but he still has to obey the laws of physics when a magnet turns on. It's super weird. The, yeah, physics are not portrayed super well here. In the, the like anti-gravity room, people are like floating, but then they can just kind of swim around, no problem, and they open a door in the little... There's like space guy just falls to the ground like gravity is working, but actually there's no one in the suit. So he's somehow heavier than that. Ugh. And he's also chasing make- Goober, but there's nobody in the or he's chasing uh, Gilly, but there's nobody yeah. in the suit to chase him. But like it was because of the also I love the old school like we don't know how science works version of gravity. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we have a knob. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. There's a gravity knob. Uh, no gravity. Zero gravity. That just reeks yeah. of like that 1960s, like you know, uh, what uh, Stan Lee talking about the Hulk, and he's like, uh, gamma radiation. Gamma. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's what turns him into the Hulk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Pretty great. It works. All right, it worked back then, at least, you know, because now I think most people have a better understanding about gravity and all that kind of stuff, where it's like this. Sci-fi doesn't really hold up so good. Or there's Um, an element of, like, we know it's complicated, so whatever you say is going to sound too simple to me. mm, That's like like the Star Trek uh, uh, solution to things, is just babble on scientifically so that people accept that you know what you're talking about, (laughs) and then be like, like the air getting sucked out of a balloon. That's right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, we got a gravity knob. <laughs> one of the uh, the technicians, I don't remember if it was like Hap, that main one or not, but they're talking about how, okay, so there's a certain point where they're watching like uh, the, I think it's the shuttle launch, and suddenly the ghost just appears on the screen and is like, hey, I'm a ghost, I'm going to get you or whatever. I am Don Miguel. Uh, <laughs> Your yeah, fiery dragon. <laughs> oh, yeah, 
yeah, he, he calls the rocket a fiery dragon. And then the technician guy is like, well, I checked all the circuits. Nothing but a ghost could have done that. I was like, You're a scientist. Come on. And then Ted pulls out his uh, spec. Hold on. I, re- I wrote it down. It's called the, was it the, oh, specter detector. Yep. <clears throat> Got it. Which, which I'm not sure what the specter detector versus the host ghost scanner does. <laughs> uh, obviously, we can dust for uh, fingerprints with poltergeist powder. I like that they just name dropped all those things. Like there's a scene where they're like, Ted's looking through his bag. He's like, let me name all these cool sciencey ghost detective things we have. He just lists all the names. Like it was like the back of an action figure package or something. It's like, here's all the other exciting available products. Uh, yeah. All the accessories that you can buy. I yeah. can see the, oh, yeah. uh, the haunter taunter being like a moose call for, uh, <laughs> you know, for ghosts. <laughs> they were a little a little goofy but then again if i was a kid who you know wanted to go play this game like with my friends out in the street or whatever i'd be like oh yeah specter detector yeah i mean it's fun to have names for that kind of stuff well and it's it's those points of contact that create like a richer experience like Mm -hmm. i mean i firmly believe that you know the 80s cartoons wouldn't nearly be as nostalgic as they are without the toys like gi joe and transformers are not like rich storytelling i mean they're oh. good don't get me wrong i know i'm gonna catch yeah. a lot of flack for that but they're like, not good though <laughs> what? i mean they are what they are but they're what, watchable what really informs it is that you wanted the action figure of duke mm-hmm. you wanted the action figure of Starscream. you know right Totally. And you get to make up your own storylines to go with it. And that almost gets back to our Scooby-Doo thing where it's like it might have been kind of a blank canvas with the characters, but like but like playing as them and kind of living in that space, you get to come create your own storylines. And like, you know, if I have a Daphne and a Fred action figure, like they might kiss once in a while. Like you never know. <laughs> Things might get a little freaky. But um, I don't know. When you, when you give the some agency to the viewer where they're not just it's not an entirely passive thing. They get to actually interact with these and tell their own stories in that world. It makes them appreciate the source material even more. Agency. This is sounding a little bit too much like an episode of Amusement Sparks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, the Scooby-Doo episode was where that word first appeared. And that was where we first were like, this is what the show's going to be like. That's, this is the future of theme parks right here is about agency. And uh, yeah, you brought it up, man. It's all because of you. <laughs> Humble brag. Uh, but they, uh, but I mean, that's kind of the thing that there is an element of like, I mean, I, I've used, I've, you know, pretentiously used this in the past, but the Scooby gang does have an element of like, like Jungian archety- archetypal uh, uh, ability to, you know, be able to be, you know, empty enough that you can imbue meaning onto them whereas these characters almost seem simultaneously too specific and not specific enough wow that's interesting meaning like their their character is so invested in the one trait that they have that it's like it makes them more flat because they're so into that one thing yeah and you there's no room for you to uh, have have your experience with them to to put them into your archetype that you want them to be into. I mean, the the beauty of you know, I mean, even though this is produced by Iwao Takamoto, the original Iwao Takamoto Scooby characters are you know they're they're those shapes and those shapes are so iconic and they're mm-hmm. so kind of uh, 
vacuous to a certain extent. They're almost kind of uh, begging to be filled up by something, by your own imagination, because everybody does it. Everybody, when you talk to them about Scooby-Doo, they say like, oh, Fred's the jock. Show me one goddamn original Scooby-Doo episode where he plays one freaking sport. Show me one. <laughs> and he wears an ascot the entire time. I don't know where the jock comes Jack, jock thing comes from. I get that some of his characteristics of like being kind of buff and being a leader, like that's something that a lot of athletes have, but he's not necessarily an athlete. He's just, he's a pretty nice guy too. You know, there's a lot of the uh, kind of stereotypes that go with being a jock that he does not have at all. But right. yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, but these characters, I mean, they just kind of seem, you know, Ted's kind of, you know, he's got bell bottoms and that's it. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> It's a series of characteristics, but there's no there's no ability to see this person in a three-dimensional character space. Right, right. You you could not imagine what a live action version of this would look like, but you can see Scooby-Doo in live action even before the movies came out. Like they kind of made more sense as real human beings. Let's you cast this movie. Let's just do it. <laughs> All right. We okay, got fine. We got four characters. Uh, who are you yep. casting as Tina? Tina is one of my favorite characters. She did nothing that was that like offensive and she just looks really interesting. Like she's the most the maybe the best design of this show. Interesting. Um, Goober's obviously the worst, but I think that that Tina <laughs> is probably the best, like the most interesting looking character. <sighs> Hmm. It's a no research podcast, of course, right? Yeah, so you just got to go from your your brain. Who are you thinking of? I think she's too shy to get a lot of the... I feel like most female actors that are popping to mind are like almost too uh, <laughs> outgoing or too interesting of characters. So if someone has to be able to play like a reserved, kind of quietish role. Mm. I don't know if it's uh, the hair, but I'm kind of seeing Meg Ryan. I like that. Wow. Um... Are they teenagers, though? I mean, in the same way that the cast of American Pie is teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Or like Grease. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a lot of wrinkles in that high school. Hey, I'm so um, bummed out by the principal of this school. Hey, I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. And that, that movie, Grease, has so, so many like kind of sexual undertones and lyrics that it's just kind of weird for like an old old guy to be like singing these songs in the high school perspective i don't know there's something weird about about playing teenagers anyway we're gonna go with it. yeah um huh um i'm thinking gilly i don't want to be offensive here but i i could see um wow i forgot his name so i can't see him anymore what do you have a movie or anything that you can place it well once i forgot his name i started thinking of other people who might be better actually oh interesting maybe jonah hill oh interesting i know the body style is a little bit different and that again it's a super flat kind of annoying character <laughs> i don't know i could kind of see that though like uh you know he's if he's got the glasses and the camera and the the kind of way that he gets invested the way that Jonah Hill gets invested in things. You know, uh, you think of Superbad when when he's just when he he just kind of rants off in that movie. That that yeah. kind of way of just being like, "You ruined my picture again," you know? Right. I could see him taking his craft so seriously, like, and then getting really flustered when you know Goober gets in his way again. Right. Like, I think he can be upset at someone without being mean or like abusive because i do think you could go a dark path with the relationship between goob goober and gilly yeah because 
Yeah, all it's like half of Gilly's dialogue is yelling at Goober about stuff. It's really weird. What? Uh, yeah, wasn't there something where he's just like, uh, slightly used camera for sale? Yeah. That was just yeah. a line as Goober was ch- carrying him away from danger. Right. What? <laughs> that whole scene was confusing. We might need to dissect that once we get to that in the plot. Yeah. Um, what uh, about Ted? I don't, I don't, he didn't have as many defining features. Do you ever see the show The Guild? The um, uh, Felicia I, Day web I saw show? I trailers for it. Wait, it was on in a bar where I was, but I have not seen it. Oh, that's crazy. I think it's still on Netflix. Uh, I would huh. highly recommend checking it out because it's if you like if you like nerdy stuff. I mean, it's interesting because it takes uh, it's Felicia Day's like kind of breakout thing after Buffy. Mm-hmm. It takes the old web series back when it was back when a web series was looking at a webcam. What was uh, Lonely Girl eighteen like that style of like. Hey guys, uh, so I went to the thing today, and uh, you know, uh, it was right. that kind of show, uh, and it's that interspersed with like actual shot stuff. In season three, I think there's a guy who plays a stunt, uh, uh, like a mocap guy, and and a stunt coordinator, and uh, he's got kind of like he he's got a similar build to Ted. And I think he's also got like a, uh, uh, w- w- all this stuff that was like, we got to get to the centrifuge. <laughs> he's right. got kind of that no nonsense. That's yeah. Ted does not mess around. <laughs> I mean, of course he this ended- is the most obscure thing I could have picked. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, it's an obscure movie. No one's going to go see the live action goober and the ghost chasers movie anyway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, our budget's low, our, our deadline's coming up and uh, it's going to be a stressful ride, everybody. And our stakes could not be lower. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it'd be pretty interesting if this is like your top downloaded episode it turns out there's this huge cult following for goober and the ghost chasers and we never knew it. In, in like rwanda <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not in the u.s <laughs> uh okay who would you cast as goober i don't know rupaul um, <laughs> whoa that's a take right why not Okay, I like that. Let's give that guy some work. He's pretty cool. Well, because also, if you're not going to go for the straight up, like, Tigger voice, you know, mm-hmm. like, why not, like, like RuPaul, make it, make it like a defined personality, make it big, and that is what yeah. RuPaul does. Right, and, he, you know, Goober is the, the comic relief, but also, like, the main driver of the plot, seemingly. It's like the humans are just kind of there as cardboard cutouts. Yeah, um, almost has all a personality. Emotion. <laughs> what's that of having personality he almost has the most yeah right so i think that that i like that i like rupaul there uh great so we've cast the movie yep. uh someone call us <laughs> <laughs> yes Ugh. i honestly i don't think i want to work on this <laughs> <laughs> but when we we do have to do this though we have to write a really complex script that's got like some kind of sci-fi elements and then when we go to actually film it just totally change the whole script it's all in the Don't subtext. Don't tell everyone. Yes. <laughs> in fact, the There'll whole... be different copies of the scripts. <laughs> it's like it's like a weird House of Leaves situation where it's just getting passed around by people. But like, oh, you see, to watch the movie, you got to read this photocopy of a script that I found in a comic book store. And we're going to film the movie in one take and one <laughs> continuous shot and whatever happens happens and we'll edit around it it's fine it's we like birdman sound effects <laughs> we got so we got it's all scored by bongos 
<laughs> we already have the laugh track, so hopefully we got to match the the audio with the laugh track, but we're not going to be able to edit it at all. So Weird fact that I came across on the internet, apparently when this was, uh, apparently this was shown on Boomerang and Cartoon Network, and mm-hmm. when it was shown, the laugh track was removed. I like that because none of the laugh track parts were really jokes. It was always just someone said something related to like space vocabulary. And, and then I'm the assuming, laugh track goes off. And the what? soundtrack still goes on, right? It has yeah. to because the soundtrack sure. of these shows was continuous. Right, right. So there's so, not like a like, come on, goob. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Although that would make the show more funny because uh, as it stands, it's not funny at all. (laughs) Yeah, there Uh, were no jokes. There were no jokes. The the funniest parts were, let's blast off, meaning let's leave this scene. And uh, what? That's not a joke whatsoever. I I did laugh out loud, rewound, rewatched, laughed out loud again when uh, she says, now I'm never going to get my interview. And Don Miguel goes, fear not, I'm coming back. <laughs> Aw. That's pretty good. What a good guy. But there was no content. Like, it was such a weird, like, there, that was a placeholder line. Was he answering her? Like, was, was he talking to her, or was that just a second line unrelated? I don't. Well, she like, why is he saying fear not? Why is he coming back? He never yeah. really menaced them. He didn't really have anything he could do to them. Even when it was just the, the he was stopping the shuttle launch, he just went on the TV and said, "Stop your fire breathing dragon." And they were like, <laughs> uh, "Hit the abort button, buddy. We gotta." If he's going to yeah. be popping up on TVs, we're not going to be able to see this thing launch. <laughs> this, yeah, that Space Center was not, uh, didn't seem like a very good depiction of what NASA is actually like if they get stumped by someone coming over the camera and not actually changing anything with the shuttle launch. You know, it's, it's I don't know, it, it was really weird. They were not very spaceship, or spaceship, <laughs> they're not very scientific about their like whole space thing going on. And they let the teenagers just run around willy nilly and like, get in the shuttle and they have a ugh. weird trap door that's a photoelectric cell i yeah, don't know what that was that, about the, the like director of the whole place didn't know about that right like he seemed pretty surprised about that yeah i don't know also the phone that he called uh ted with in the beginning was in a talkback microphone that was patched into the console for launching the spacecraft you're right. Like they that had... is super weird. He's making phone calls on that thing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just so great. Funny. That's great technology right there. He's got like a, you know, a, a, what a ISDN line plugged into the shuttle launch thing. Well, you can't tell that he's at some important space-related thing if he's just sitting at his office, like on his regular phone. Yeah, that's the only reason I have a boom mic. It's just so it looks impressive. I look <laughs> professional. I'm not, but I look the part. <laughs> Like Steven Spielberg answering his phone and he's just talking into the video camera like, what? Why would he? I mean, sure, there's like a microphone on that, but it's not a phone. Like, <laughs> You got to, you know, I mean, you, you got to, if you have it, why not use it? Yes, use your props, people. Come on. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, they're, they're also, wow. yeah, the abort button doesn't work in the, the, the spacecraft. Yeah, you're right. Which, it, it, I don't know. It seemed pretty slapdash, but it was it is a part of Goober and the Ghost Chasers. So Yeah, the universe the is like poorly made. 
I think it is. And things change colors all the time. Like there's just a lot of weird um, like discrepancies, interdimensional things happening. Well, it's like it's that it's like a content dictates form sort of in a way like like in Cool World, you know, everything is very surreal in it because they're cartoons. So it accentuates right. the cartoonishness of this universe if wow. it's if it's surreal. But in this universe, it the universe itself is slapdashly made because yes. the cartoon is slapdashly made. So everything they live. Is janky. Yeah, right. Like, just existence is janky in this universe. Yeah, which would kind of makes sense. But, like, if you're watching, you know, Avatar and one of the Navi is walking off the side of the screen and they just cut off before they get to the frame, the edge of the frame, you'd be like, what is this will not stand? <laughs> but if it's Goober and the Ghost Chaser, it's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, that's fun. Cut print. <laughs> uh, uh, James Cameron's not the last Airbender. Just to clarify, of course, that would have that would have flown just fine in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh in a legend of korra you i always thought that it would be fun to play a drinking game where you have to drink every time they say bending but you would honestly be shit housed in the first like in just the recap of last week's episode (laughs) they say the word bending so much it's it's alarming (laughs) I mean, that's like their original IP word for that series. You know what I mean? It's not just like, I don't just have a special kind of magic. It's like, no, I, I'm bending. Oh my yeah. gosh, maybe we can do it by bending. Well, how's your bending? Well, my bending is not doing that great right now, but maybe my bending will come back. Well, you let me know about your bending once your bending comes back, or if your bending doesn't come back. Just let me know either way about the bending. About the bending? Yes, the bending. Okay, cool. In closing, I'd like to say bending. That's that's pretty great. I great mean, show. it's, it's uh, I, I like brand that show. enforcement. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the uh, uh, you know they say people like uh, like Matt Damon and Sean Penn. They're the people who like you know two years later you'll see them again and they'll be like, oh Andrew, how's it going? How's your sister? And the way that they do that is like when they meet you, it's like every sentence that they'll say has your name to like enforce uh-huh. it. So it'll huh. be like, you'll be like, hi, my name's Andrew. And they'll like look you in the eye and be like, Andrew. Well, Andrew, what do you do? Oh, I do this. <laughs> Andrew, that's fascinating. You know, uh-huh. I like that. Because the thing I, you know, as a teacher, like the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, crap. I have, you know, a couple of students who have the same last name or like they kind of look sort of similar. How am I going to figure this out? And so I'll just like look at them and just keep saying their name in my head again and again. I'm like, if anyone could hear me, this would be so creepy. I'm like chanting their name and staring at them. <laughs> Bill, 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 which Bill now I, this I, damn it. Okay. <laughs> Bill, 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 Bill. Inertia is a property of Mallard. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> that, I just talk to them and just use that, you know, the kind of um, Andy from the office method of just like reinforcing everything that they said and say their name all the time. That's great. That's like one of those uh, Kindle books that you can get that are like, you know, top 10 ways to kill a job interview for like four ninety nine. Yes. I'm not going to say how many of those books I have bought. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're and, like, and they say independent publishing is dead. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get into mentalism, let me tell you how many books you can get for 99 cents on Kindle for iPad right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
so yeah. So I mean, you know, they they're we we're introduced to Hap Wilson early on. Mm-hmm. I, I think I basically knew that he did it at one particular moment. That's fair. Uh, um, which particular moment was that? Let let's let's have you take a run at it and see if you can guess which one. My my assumptions began once we heard l- learned his name because <laughs> just prior to this they said here's the button that says hold on it. We push this when we need to hold the launch. Five seconds later, the conquistador appears on screen. Wait, let me push the hold button. Pushes the hold button. Hey, this is Hap. He's been running around. Blah blah blah. It's like, oh, oh, he's the bad guy. Okay, I don't even know what the what the you know crime is. I don't know what the bad situation is, but I know he's guilty. Yeah, there's just too much coincidence. Yeah, for me, it was the overwhelming, laid on thick plot point of, uh, I was bounced <laughs> out of the space program, and let me tell you, I can bounce pretty well. <laughs> That was really weird. I was like, is that a gravity joke? What's he talking about? It, it makes sense. It's a Hapdash universe. Slapdash. Hapdash. What's that? Keep it in. Oh, well. Haberdashery. <laughs> uh, isn't that like knickknacks? Um, haberdashery, haberdashery technically is someone who makes hats, but it also just kind of means like a generic store. All right. So leave it in. Some information there. Uh, <laughs> it was Hapdash, like a haberdashery. Um, anyway, yeah, he definitely had motive. For the crime, for sure. And we took 10 seconds out of the episode to frame it as such. <laughs> right, right. Uh, how do you know so much about the astronauts training? Well, I trained to be an astronaut, but I was kicked out of the program. Let's just all let that sink in really quickly. Did everybody in the back <laughs> row get that? I was, ki- I was kicked out of the astronaut program. Kicked me. Kicked out. Yeah. But I still work here somehow. All right, and I have so, like some sort of leadership. So we have this gravity knob. <laughs> <laughs> and the director of the this NASA or whatever is in, you know, most of the shots the humans are in. Yes. And I don't remember his name. But Hap, you see him all the time. And it's like, here's his name. Here's This is the guy. Like, his branding was on point. It was like the bending of the episode was just, here's Hap. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, the other dude's name was like Fred Wilson, or Fred Jones. He was, well, Jesus Christ. I just keep going into iconic names. That's gotta be embarrassing. (laughs) But his name was like, you know, like Don Smith or something like that. Whereas, like, it was like Mm -hmm. Hap. Hey, Hap. And it's like, oh, that's a weird name. Oh, that's why it's a Hap Dash universe, because of Hap. That's why I said that. Stuck in your head. Got it. Branding, yes. Bending, yes. But so apparently this is the the format for the episode where you have a villain who impersonates a ghost, which Hap didn't really impersonate a ghost. But you also have the real ghost. So presumably there are real ghosts, but they're still criminals. Yeah. yeah. But the, but they're the now, criminal. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, it's fine. Skype does that. Mm, indeed. Uh, all I was gonna say is the criminal convinces the ghost to be a ghost, and the ghost was already a ghost. So I don't really know. Okay, so Don Miguel hangs out in this area because he was a conquistador who took it over at some point. I'm not going into too much detail, but presumably there's a reason he's in this area. Now, Florida, yeah, it used to be Spain's territory. I'm pretty sure that's it. Like Cape Canaveral, 
is what we're talking about. Yeah, whatever. So because he hangs out, like presumably he killed a bunch of natives, so he's in some weird purgatory hell kind of scenario. He can't cross over. So he just chills out for eternity in Florida. And Hap finds out that he's chilling out. I'm not entirely sure he summons him. Somehow he finds him and tells him that dragons are going to be launched from Earth to other planets to damage those other planets. So Don Miguel wants to save those other planets and and keep the dragons on Earth. Did I miss anything? No, but it's awesome. I really love this plot point, as goofy as it is. Like, okay, if we're doing our, our movie, our live-action version of this, it, it's like, that's a really cool... There's a, two really cool, cool things that came up. One was just seeing Hap having to do the, the ritual to get Don Miguel, like, to summon him or whatever. That could be some really cool uh, CG, arcane character driving stuff like he's just so mad about getting kicked off of the force or whatever that he's gone to like witchcraft and he's summoning this ghost uh and this ghost like you said is kind of like in a hell type state like there's some cool dark imagery right there and then from the from don miguel's perspective there are dragons that are being launched into outer space to hurt other planets and i want to stop that from happening because i'm a conquistador and i feel bad for like wrecking the locals here yeah this is like this is my moment for retribution or not for uh redemption redemption this is our plot arc right here we don't even need those stupid humans and goober in this movie it's about the space center and the ghost stopping the dragons but those are Uh, all the interesting parts like that's (laughs) and like like he found this ghost or he summoned this like this is the shit that's interesting and it's 30 seconds at the end of the episode (laughs) it's yeah just tagged oh. on casually, like, uh, yeah, well, what? Uh, and Don Miguel thought that they were fire-breathing dragons. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing I was talking about the, at the top of the show about how the space setting is really interesting. It's like if you had had Don Miguel actually, like, I don't know. There's there's something really interesting there about a conquistador stopping space exploration. Um, but I don't know. It's. It's a cool plot. I think maybe that's what this this imaginary original plot that we were discussing mm. would be about. <laughs> like, um, going into more detail and more depth about these characters, and they just kind of cut that all out and we're like, yeah, make it make it simpler. We can't afford the animation. We need to just use the backgrounds we already have. Well, also thinking about this, like this weird intersectionality of dimensions, like, you know, why the ghosts are, you know, prone to magnetism, but can disappear, like what his horse is doing, he can fly, he can take over electronics, what is Goober doing, like, how does that influence physics, like, there could be like, how he sees our, you know, or uh, the ghost chasers, part of reality how he sees their dimension i mean this rocket might somehow look like a dragon to him you know what i'm saying like the way that he perceives it could be different than because of how those universes interact (laughs) that's crazy yeah you're right though and far more fascinating than whatever the hell was happening in this episode yeah and i think it'd be cool if we do uh you know the live action version is just r-rated and um goober it is goober dealing with 
like crossing over and he's like he's switching between being a ghost and coming back to life and then being a ghost again all the time it's like whenever he gets scared he crosses over it's like what what is that and if you could just like see through goober's eyes this like hellish transformation he goes through of like leaving his corporal form and turning into a ghost all the time and back and forth just like for laughs that's like, insane <laughs> it's really that's weird. so cool I, uh, yeah, I I had a teacher when I was in like grade school or middle school or something, he wrote, uh, like horror fantasy esque things. And, uh, one of them, it was about this, uh, kid who his parents were in some kind of cult and they were bringing back this demon. And so they needed a vessel and they chose him. So it lives in him. So he's, it's only link to this dimension or whatever, but sometimes, so like they need each other to a certain extent, but sometimes like the kid will get like dragged into this hellscape every now and then. And that's what Goober's wow. going through. Yeah, Goober goes through that all the time. Like pretty much every scene he's in, he turns invisible again. And it's like he has to go through the process of dying again and again and again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the pain of dying every time he's scared, he has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, there's some... Uh, kind of uh oh man ghost rider kind of uh things going on there like the deal with the devil from <laughs> i'm taking you That's, back i um you know the band the darkness yeah that did uh they yeah. believed in the thing, I called, thing called right Love. yeah <clears throat> i saw them in concert and one of their albums is called um they were really good live, by the way. I don't know why I said I saw them in concert, but I did. I guess it's a humble brag. I don't know. But well, they were yeah, really good live. I feel like it would be a show. <laughs> yeah, their their album was called uh, A One-Way Ticket to Hell and Back. <laughs> <laughs> Which just, I love that so much. A lot of their lyrics are already pretty funny, but uh, there's a lot of like double entendre and stuff. But just, that's just, just like, it's a cool, like epic thing until you hear the last two words. <laughs> it's like really hardcore, like, uh, stuff about death and it's like eh, eh, maybe like <laughs> and, and I can come back if I want to <laughs> or it, it's it, it speaks of like the like we're using the trope you know like right. like you know what this phrase means like somebody like Dio would use that unironically yes, yes. you know but they're they're showing the ridiculousness of using this trope unironically by having it like not work <laughs> like right. they don't quite understand it <laughs> i love stuff like that like metalocalypse i feel like is like you know yeah. full of stuff like that totally true you're They're, right oh my gosh uh i have a random note about the mom mars operational mode i wrote that down because that's the name of their cool little space jeep thing that they have in the space station. It's not actually going to Mars. Yep. It's not on the shuttle. Yeah. Nope. They just drive around the museum. Weird. Yeah. The simulation training area of the museum. Yeah. So the majority of the intellectual part of this episode is them discussing what this acronym stands for. <laughs> it feels like it takes so long. They're like, hey, let's drive mom. What's mom? Oh, it's an acronym. What's it an acronym for? It's like, you did not have to leave this in. This is not even interesting. And what is it? Mars operational mode? Like a mode of transportation? Or what? a mode of like like mean median mode? Like it's like, <laughs> like I, 
uh, and operation. It's so, an operational mode. Like I, I could it and, be called the Mars Rover? <laughs> I mean, that sounds way. That's that is an action figure accessory I would buy. But I'm not gonna buy mom. Mom, I need to buy mom. What's that? Oh, it's an acronym. Really? Oh, quickly. what's an acronym for? Is there a Mars is there a Mars Rover toy that you can buy? I feel like NASA could actually capitalize and have like <laughs> a lot of synergy and like, you know, selling toys. Mm-hmm. They could make some money. I mean, it's not going to yeah, fund a mission to the moon, but it'll help. <laughs> it sounds like a Lego set. Like they've got a lot of interesting like real-world satellites and uh, scuba vehicles and stuff. Scuba, that's not the word I meant. Submarine <laughs> submersible vehicles. It's that fine. I got it. Based on like actual specs of real things, but yeah, that that'd be pretty cool. I would buy a Mars rover, especially if it's remote control. Oh man! And if it's also like created by NASA. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, like it's one thing if like you know, uh, Hasbro is making toys. It's like, oh, cool, <laughs> right. but like, what? No, this toy is from NASA. This isn't a yeah. toy. These are the people <laughs> who build the robots. <laughs> yeah, you're right. NASA. I feel like. Buying stuff from NASA just feels good because it's like I'm supporting like, you know, manned flights outer space. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> NASA, get on it. Yeah, come on, NASA. I know you're selling a lot of T-shirts these days, but I hope you're keeping those proceeds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's really. I mean, aside from I, I have a drawing of the. Uh, I I did that weird thing of perspective. That's what it looked like. Oh yeah, yeah, the tower. It was so oh, that's pretty cool. Weirdly haunting and like like bizarrely beautiful and then it just didn't reach the edge of the frame and i was like what is happening yeah i i almost wish uh, this doesn't make any sense <laughs> but i started saying it yeah let's I go into wish it it was more like a motion comic where it's like let's spend less time on the animation and more time on making sure the art makes sense and looks good and spoiler alert they did <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? They spent less time on the animation and more time <laughs> on that. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But I don't know. I wish they would have just like been like, you know what? We don't have to worry about the animation. Let's just let you guys do the things you want to do and the things that will be compelling. And but then again, that probably wouldn't have been made. Like it has to fit the mold of the medium. It has to a little bit like Scooby Doo, even in motion. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, man. But I mean, that's my notes in a nutshell. I like their ID badges with the weird keyhole on it. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Wait, the huh? They had like weird ID badges, and it was like it was as simple as possible, but weirdly iconic. There was like a rectangle, and there was a stripe down one side, and then offset a keyhole. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No no words. No visual. Yeah, yeah. No oh, picture ID. There you go. It's the logo. <laughs> uh, the centerfuge cool. trap made no sense to me. Hand me a pencil. That was weird. <laughs> oh no, we're caught in this thing. Uh, doink! <laughs> he just pushes it with the pencil. Like his finger probably could have made it as far. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> No, he knows. He's tried that before. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't his first centrifuge trap. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I don't know. It's The episode is worth watching for the goofiness of it and just to try to spot the weird animation flubs and the slapdash nature of it. 
but it was not that interesting and it it got boring even though it's only 20 something minutes long (laughs) yeah yeah anthropologically it's interesting interesting yeah you're right as as the first in episode of goober and the ghost chasers it's interesting but if you've already seen five episodes i don't think you need to see this one yeah 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 and unless you were cataloging i think it'd be really crazy and uh i kind of had one of those like add moments where i'd be like oh check this out like what like what if you did this to be able to catalog each of the laughs from the laugh track and see when they use which laugh because huh. i'm assuming they had like five yeah. i would assume so so like when yeah, they use laugh a when they use laugh b huh that's pretty cool but i mean you know whatever um but yeah i mean that, that was that was it in a nutshell uh well we do have oh uh yes there was uh one last note i have where they dropped mark spitz huh they're in the zero gravity uh thing uh, the the gravity is turned off by some force who knows who right. because hap is there with them and uh, <laughs> I think Goober pretends like he's swimming, and Gilly goes, like, who are you, Mark Spitz? Who was a nine-time yeah, yeah. Olympic uh, swimming winner. I had no clue who that was. I was like, what? I don't <laughs> what is this show? Yeah, I didn't look that one Because none, none of their, like, jokes were jokes. It was just, let me say a thing to you, and then the laugh track would go. That kid doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. That was the funniest line of the whole thing, and it wasn't funny. <laughs> I, I would dare you to just go back just to get a laugh out of, fear not, I'm coming back. See, I, I do want to see that. I'm interested in that, because when you were like recapping it, she's expressing that she's upset that she didn't get an interview. I thought he was being heroic and saying, don't worry, I'll come back and do that interview you always wanted <laughs> But that's not on character for him. He's trying right. to throw off things because he thinks they're sending dragons yeah. to destroy other planets. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess in the recap, I thought that was after that he after he had like realized that they're not actually dragons and that half's the bad guy, not not the whole NASA group. It was before that. So okay, this, yeah. you're right. That makes no sense. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, well, we do have one segment on this podcast. We are star stuff at the universe's behest. Does this test the Sagan test? <laughs> the famed philosopher of science and scientist himself, Carl Sagan, once said that he wanted an adult version of Scooby-Doo because it endorsed skepticism and the scientific method. Does this episode of Goober and the Ghost Chasers pass the Sagan test? Um, no. And also, I don't think that Sagan would approve of this whole space center. The fact that they can be thrown off by someone putting a video on their monitor and then they go check on the the circuits i think that's what he said you know i checked the circuits uh it's science stuff don't worry about it um and the quote I, I wrote it down it's literally um nothing but a ghost could have done this that is what a scientist said wait but that was half that said that dang it so he was ah. trying to get to realize that it's oh okay crap well, but he also no was it half or was it the uh, the no, guy at it was the happy. okay. Well, and he also yeah. knows that it's a real ghost. He didn't even go and check the circuits. That thing it happened. <laughs> we were we were fooled. <laughs> um, I don't think there was uh, much uh, execution of the scientific method here. Yeah, um, they just kind More of stumbled skepticism. around. Yeah, they just ran around and played like it was a big space playground and 
got picked up by a ghost and then Goober turns invisible and then back again. And there, there was no, <laughs> the characters in the show didn't have any agency on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it seems like a purely deterministic universe in general. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, it, there is no free will. Just stuff seems to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's not a universe that makes any since I don't, I don't know it's not a good fictional universe well so it, there's an episode of uh the magic school bus where they talk about physics and there's a section where i think they play baseball on a field that has no friction to explain what friction is so they can't run effectively they can't stop all these kinds of things this seems to be that same thing but the rules of (laughs) causality have been completely suspended (laughs) like causal friction of the universe is completely gone so like it's just bodies moving without any relation to one another that is a great poll i love that (laughs) i wrote down causal friction that's a really that's a great term yeah no one could do really anything about anything happening it was like they were all in the zero gravity thing the whole time and they can try and do something but it's not necessarily going to have effect on anything else and things don't necessarily have effect on them but they can right because i mean like having no friction doesn't mean that you're not moving yeah just the rules are suspended for how you move mm-hmm. and things just feel off and feel wrong like compared to scooby-doo or something where, sure, there are things they don't mean to do that happen on accident, but there are also a lot of things they're successful at, where it's like, yeah, I did set that trap, and yeah, it did work. Or um, it went wrong. There are rules for why it went wrong, and there are rules uh-huh. for why it fu- ultimately worked. It's a consistent universe, at least. But then again, in a way, this one is, too, where it seems like things just kind of randomly happen and are sketchy and kind of sloppy all the time. You can almost count um, on the randomness. Yeah, there's a lot of non-sequiturs. It just kind of watching the episode with full attention, taking notes, felt like I was on my phone the entire time, not really paying attention. <laughs> I watched it you know, twice. Like, yes. I yeah. had to watch it twice because the first time I was like, there are things that I missed. I'm sure that I was not paying attention for most of the episode because it made no sense. <laughs> and like just random stuff happened and the laugh track was out of sync and there were no jokes it just didn't feel like a, a whole TV show. It was so weird. Yeah, it's weirdly disorienting. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, that's fascinating. I wonder like how I wonder if that does something to your psyche, you know, to a certain extent, <laughs> like like if like, you know, watching like Mansers on the on Spike like must like hit you cuz there's so much sensory overload. You must feel tired after watching Mansers, you know? But like watching this you just feel disoriented and like vertiginous because there's no uh like grounding to it. You're just like but why is the but the gravity? Why <laughs> <laughs> You feel certain that you've missed something or yeah, that you just don't understand it. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Oh uh, well, yeah, but it it was it was definitely fun from an anth- anthropological standpoint. I agree completely, and it was fun to talk about. Hell yeah! But it was not one of those things that's so bad it's good. It was just so bad. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure I'm gonna. I might watch a couple other ones for fun, but I don't. I would watch a different episode. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this is something that I'll like return to. And it's kind of weird that. One of the most most unique parts about it was the kind of anthropo- anthropological nature of it being set in like a space 
station when space exploration was relatively new, you know, less than 10 years old at that point. Yeah, and seeing how those people make that world, like how mm-hmm. the faux science works. Yeah. Gravity knobs and things of that. The novelty. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, dude, cool. this has been a blast. It's always fun. Um, Tell the people yes. where they can find you. What do you have in the way of pimpage, sir? Okay. Um, so Amusement Sparks is the name of my podcast, uh, which is a theme park design show. The guest picks a topic and we design, like brainstorm a theme park based around it. And so, yeah, there's that AmusementSparks.com podcast app. You can also go to YouTube and search for it, although it's annoying because of like autocorrect. They think you spelled amusement parks wrong. Thanks, Google. Yeah, thanks for making our life so much easier. (laughs) They actually do that. Um, (laughs) I'm not actually mad about it. What's the um, channel name? C-U-O-Y? You're really close. It's Kuyomi, C-U-Y-O-M-I. And that's like, there's some other videos on there that I've made and will continue to make. Um, but yeah, Kuyomi, C-U-Y-O-M-I. And you'll find all the Amusement Sparks videos on there. There's a ton of them. Um, yeah. Excellent. That would be great. Thank you very much for having me on, man. It's always always a pleasure to, to work with you. And for the listener, you have been on two complete episodes and at least one of the recap episodes where we kind of go back and fix older theme parks. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You were on the Scooby-Doo episode and one called Tree which was our totally original IP that we just made up on air. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I still think about, like, I still, like, uh, fantasize about being in Tree every now and then. Yeah, me too. It's a really cool, the, the visuals of it are just really interesting to me. In my head. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> of course, there's no actual visuals. Um, <laughs> the imaginary visuals. I know. Uh, yeah, it, it is literally one of the most fun things in the world because, I mean, even listening to your show, you get to be a part of that imaginative process. I mean, it it only exists in this collective uh, unconscious space. And yeah. so it's literally whatever you want it to be. It's, you know, the, the only limits are you and it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so much fun. Well, thanks, man. Um, that, that means a lot because that's, I, I get a lot of joy out of it. You get this kind of like creative rush going on, even though, it's not going to actually lead anywhere. It's just a conversation. It's just something that you're putting out into space or whatever, but it's still fun. It's very satisfying. Mm, mm. Well, thank you so much for being on Andrew. Sure. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Listener, you guys should uh, give Nick some reviews on iTunes or whatever, because it does help a lot and it's surprisingly easy to write a review. Uh, Apple podcasts. They rebranded. Apple po- <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. You're right. Oh gosh. Uh, and as always, to you and yours this holiday season, take off your rockets. <laughs> oh, man. I, I need to do better impressions of laugh tracks. That just sounded like I was not really laughing. <laughs> Post credit Marvel, Marvel sequence. sequence. Gotta plug my computer in real quick. Sorry. Oh, good luck. Thank you. I'm sure I can do it. Part one is done. Here comes part two of two. <clears throat> Hold and for plugging in. 
We're good. We have plug-in. We have plug-in. Oh, geez. Well, now my headphones go underneath the cable. Uh-oh. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Redoing part two. The light is on. We're good. All right. And we're back. Hold for plugging in. Holding for plugging in. And <laughs> plug in. Plugging in. <laughs> we have plug-in. <laughs> Yay! There's All a right. room of people. <laughs> What's With You Scooby-Doo is a member of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Visit StolenDress.com to check out our other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books.